The nation of Georgia doesn't often attract uh, international headlines, but late last week, thousands took to the streets of the capital to protest a controversial bill before the parliament. The bill would would have uh, forced NGOs and media outlets to register as, quote, agents of foreign influence if they received funding from abroad. Now, critics described it as Putin-like, a crackdown on dissenting voices, but after two nights of unrest the Georgian government was forced to ditch the bill. Now, for Georgia, this boil-over is just the latest chapter in a much broader struggle over the country's future, a country which, of course, remains torn between Russia and Europe. Rehan Dimitri is a freelance foreign correspondent with the BBC News covering Central Asia, Russia and the South Caucasus, and she's based in Georgia's capital, Belisi. I'm delighted to have you on the program, but to set it up, some of us are geographically challenged. So can you explain exactly where Georgia sits on the map and why it is strategically important? Um, Good evening, Philip, and to all your listeners. Um, So Georgia is a small nation in the South Caucasus. It has a giant, huge neighbor uh, up in the north, and that's Russia. Um, Black Sea to the west and um, other South Caucasus republics, Azerbaijan and Armenia in the east and the south, and Turkey also in the east. So Georgia is a small country, but for many, many years, for decades, you know, the main question here it was and is, is, is uh, Georgia Europe or Asia? Um, and for the vast majority of people who live here, we're talking about 3.7 million people. That's the official figures on Georgia's population. They uh, see their country as part of the European family. And uh, according to different polls, opinion polls, consistently for many years, over 80% of uh, Georgia's population, they want to see their country as member of the European Union. Uh, but what to do? Geographically, they neighbor Russia. Heavens above. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, now the the law would have forced all NGOs and media who receive significant funding to be included in this special register. What's wrong with that in principle? Well, there were actually two bills, uh, one called on uh, the transparency of foreign influence and the second one, foreign agents uh, bill. Both of these uh, bills were proposed by uh, a very openly anti-Western parliamentary uh, movement, which established itself just last July, July 2022. Uh, they broke off from the governing party, which is called uh, the Georgian Dream. And since uh, then, since, since, they, since they established themselves as a separate movement uh, with close affiliation to the governing party, what they've done was they really spent a lot of energy um, attacking attacking the U.S. foreign policy in Georgia. They have been 
uh, spreading the message that the U.S. Um, uh, all along wanted Georgia to be somehow involved in Russia's war in Ukraine, that the West uh, uh, was interested in opening the second front. So that is the people's movement for you. This uh, parliamentary movement uh, put it on the table, these proposed drafts. And to be honest, when I, when I saw it in the news back in February, and we were really busy doing working on a story about Georgia's ex-president, Mikhail Saakashvili, who is now dying in prison, I couldn't really believe my eyes when I saw, you know, that they're proposing this foreign agents law. Because for anyone who lives in this part of the world, when you hear foreign agent, the immediate association is with a similar law that exists in Russia. So Russia introduced its version of foreign agents bill uh, back in 2012. So that's 11 years ago. And over the past 11 years uh, in Russia, this law has been used to silence pretty much any critical voice in the country. They started with NGOs labeling non-governmental organizations um, as foreign agents. Then they moved on to uh, media. For example, Alexei Navalny, the main uh, opposition uh, uh, politician in Russia, his entire organization was proclaimed as uh, you know, foreign agents. And so on and so forth. So every week, uh, anyone who follows news like a bit more closely, uh, you know, there's a list which Russia's um, kind of Ministry of Censorship, as it's called among the people, it's Roskomnadzor. They update that list, including more and more people, media uh, bloggers, journalists, any public figure who openly speaks against uh, the uh, Vladimir Putin's war in in Ukraine. Uh, artists, singers, so everybody's on this list. And in the context of Russia and in and Georgia to a certain extent, the, the word foreign agent, it has a very negative connotation because uh, it kind of equals, you know, spying or someone who's acting on behalf of uh, 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 the interest of another government. And this proposed bill in Georgia, it was going to target just like in Russia, non-governmental organizations. Now, mm -hmm. no, please keep going. No, Philip, I, I, I thought you wanted to ask a question. You know, I, I can I, I can talk and talk about this, but I, I want to have a conversation. Okay, well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, let's move it on in the sense that mm -hmm. there's a, an eruption of anger and many of the younger generation, I understand, were waving EU flags. That's right. That's right. One of the most iconic images from last week's protests is this uh, female protester on the night of March the 7th. That's when the parliament uh, approved the first reading of um, one of these bills on transparency of foreign influence. So, And they rushed it through the parliament. You know, they kind of almost, they were supposed to hold the meeting much later, but they rushed it through the parliament while outside Parliament, there were already thousands of people protesting against it. So when the protesters found out that the Parliament just adopted the first reading of this bill, um, there was a lot of anger. And within hours, really, it was a peaceful protest. Uh, there was riot police uh, guarding all the entrances to the Parliament building. 
And they um, started using pepper spray. So there was a lot of footage of uh, a riot police really kind of squirting that horrible chemical straight into protesters' faces, using water cannon and tear gas. And one of the iconic images is this female protester. She's waving uh, an EU flag crying while being sprayed by this high-pressure water. Um, and, and she kind of falls on the ground and she stands up again. And you can see that she's crying, but she continues to wave this flag. So that image really kind of summarizes what this whole struggle and fight was about. It is about Georgia's future. Rahan, what would the bill have meant for Georgia's attempt to join the EU? There was very, very negative uh, assessment from the EU, from the United States government. So on the day, on the 7th of March, when the parliament moved with this bill, the US embassy here issued a statement describing it as a black day for Georgia's democracy. Then the following day, there was a statement from uh, the EU's foreign policy chief, and he said that this law... Uh, is incom- would be incompatible with European values and norms. So, and prior to the actual mass protest, there were a lot of statements from EU representatives here in Georgia and sending this message to the Georgian government that, look, you are in the process of applying for EU candidate status. Georgia has its pending application in Brussels now. It was conditioned with when uh, uh, there are 12 uh, conditions that it has to fulfill, but nevertheless, its its application is pending. And the clear message was coming from the EU that you can't go ahead with this bill and be applying for EU candidate status. It's incompatible. So so that's why... um, what I, what I witnessed and what we all witnessed, those who were covering these events, is that this event had awoken, awoken, awoken um, a, a, a kind of sleeping part of society, but very important, key part of Georgian society, and that's students. So the majority of those who came out to protest, they were young students who believed that they were standing up and fighting for their country's future. Now, Georgia has refused or has had refused to take sides in the war against Ukraine, but Ukraine's President uh, Zelensky weighed in on the protest too, didn't he? He was quite supportive from the sidelines. Yes, he did send a message of support, and it's not the first time that Zelensky is somehow um, supporting protesters because we, we've seen some of the largest protests here last year in support of Ukraine. And also when Georgia initially failed uh, its uh, bid for EU candidate uh, member um, country that was uh, last June when EU approved Ukraine and Moldova's application, they're known as kind of three countries, you know, they 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 all signed trade agreements with the EU and they're going kind of as a, as a pact in, in, in this process. So Georgia um, did not get its candidate status. And back then we've seen huge, huge protests. And, and, and then we've heard also from President Zelensky this time around, he spoke uh, and expressed his support to the protesters and protesters as well. You know, we've seen a lot of Ukrainian flags. We've seen protesters singing uh, Ukraine's anthem. But that's position of the protesters is, I mean, the government's position here is quite different. They have, the Georgian government um, 
since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, they um, have adopted a, a kind of neutral stance on this war. And uh, just like that people's power movement, which I mentioned earlier, um, the government has somehow been um, putting out this message through its uh, uh, media, through state-controlled media, um, that it's too dangerous for us. We can't be involved. We can't anger Russia. They haven't really criticized Russia openly and more fallen out with Ukraine's government. But there's another backstory to that. <laughs> now, since antiquity, of course, Georgia's been highly disputed territory. It's been occupied by the Romans, the Byzantines, the Ottomans, the Persians, and, of course, the Russians. It got independence from the Soviet after the Union broke up in, what, 1991? That's correct. That's that's right. And uh, Georgia... Um, uh, I mean, this struggle for Georgia's freedom, I would say, has been going on since 1989, if we talk about the most kind of recent modern history, um, anti-Soviet protests here uh, back in late 1980s that were violently suppressed, people were killed. And ever since, really, um, the... the I mean, it's so, when, when you visit this country, it's so clear on where it stands. You know, it's just enough to walk in the central uh, Tbilisi to see all these graffitis in support of Ukraine and very clearly against Russia. So this protest and, and, and the passing of this bill, which thankfully the government retracted in the end, um, many saw as a key kind of very, very important moment or the government crossing the red line because people were convinced that if this law is adopted, that would mark the beginning of kind of authoritarianism here and a very, very clear shift towards more kind of pro-Russian style of governance. Um, now, Russia and Georgia even went to war, of course, in 2008, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the memories of that war are still quite fresh in um, in a lot of people's mind. It was August two thousand and eight, and for Georgians, I mean, why is the war in Ukraine is so relevant and people feel so closely about it? There are many hundreds of Georgians who are fighting in Ukraine now, because for Georgians, it's also their war, their war against their big bully neighbor, Russia. And uh, many Georgians think that because there was such a, a muted response back in 2008 to Russia invading the Georgian territory and since then occupying 20% of uh, Georgia's territory, uh, many believe that that kind of, um, that's why Putin went ahead with Crimea, annexing Crimea, and then the full-scale war in Ukraine. But of course, you know, like you talk, you don't talk in the. That's that's now part of history. You you, but but there is a lot of kind of sentiment and very very strong support towards Ukraine, precisely because they have experienced Russian aggression firsthand. It was only a five-day war, but it was enough for Georgia to 
realize that they can be crushed in no time. And that is what the government uses here to um, kind of create this fear of the second front, which I mentioned earlier. Wonderful to talk to you, Rahan. Rahan Dimitri, so a freelancer foreign correspondent with the Beeb, uh, covering Central Asia, Russia, and the South Caucasus. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.